0: and Answers. What should you do if you're dating an unbeliever, but you really love them? Are tattoos and piercings wrong? Is it wrong to love someone more than you love God? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zukren. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, we're going to be listening to a message that was taken from our 2020 Evian Youth Apologetics Conference. Annually, Pat brings in guest speakers from all over to teach and equip the youth of today. Now, here in Part 7 of this series, Tough Questions Teens Ask, Pat will answer these challenging questions.
1: You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today. Well, this is the final show in the series, Tough Questions Teens Ask. These are tough questions that were asked during our question and answer time, during our Youth Apologetics Conference. And I encourage you to check out our website regularly to see if a Youth Apologetics Conference is coming to a place near you. You know, surveys have shown anywhere from 65 to 80% of our young people Abandon their faith in Christ after four years of college, and there's several reasons for it. But one of the big factors is that they are not prepared for the intellectual challenges they're going to receive on the university campus. You know, they go into a battle zone, in a war of ideas, and majority of what they're going to get at the university is contrary to their faith in Christ. And we send them into a war with a pea shooter. And they are untrained, unequipped, and unable to meet the challenges on the high school and university campuses. The arguments seem overwhelming and their faith is just completely blown out of the water. And so our youth apologetics conferences are designed to equip teens to engage the challenges that they are going to face on the high school and university campuses so that they can not only survive but thrive through their high school and university years. And so that's why we have the Youth Apologetics Conference every year. So look on our website to see when it's coming. We've had several and they have just been outstanding and they are a whole lot of fun as well. Now, one of the most enjoyable times in our Youth Apologetics Conference, of course, is the question and answer time where teens can ask questions and the youth speakers are up there and we answer their questions questions live right on stage. That's one of the most enjoyable times in our conference. And the feedback we always get is that they wish the question and answer times were longer. Of course, we get close to 100 questions. We are not able to answer all the questions there at the conference. And so I developed this series, taking their questions from this past Youth Apologetics Conference and turning it into a series of shows where we're answering some of their tough questions. And we answered some of their tough questions in the area of Christian apologetics, Bible questions, questions dealing with evangelism and engaging a lost culture, questions regarding sexuality. And our final section here is dealing with a broad range of issues I just called teen issues, okay, issues that teens deal with. And so we're going to address some of their tough questions when it comes to teen issues. Now, the first one is, what do you do if you're dating an unbeliever, but you really love them? Well, first of all, if you love them, you won't date them. First, you will want to introduce them to Jesus Christ. But the Bible makes it clear that we're not to date because dating eventually leads to marriage. All right. So you shouldn't be dating unless you're serious about marriage. That's why I encourage teenagers in high school not to date until they are in their junior or senior year of college. And there's a reason for that, right? You don't date just to have fun with the intention, well, I'm going to date someone for a few months and then break up and find someone else and date them for a year and break up. And then that's not fun at all. That's tremendously hurtful when you get emotionally involved with someone. And often emotional bonding leads to some kind of physical activity as well and physical bonding. You know, when that kind of bonding takes place, when it is broken, it is tremendously hurtful and the ramifications of that can last for decades in your life all right because it's a very valuable thing and a lot of your time resources and emotions are placed into a particular person and relationship and when that comes to an end it doesn't make you better puts a lot of hurt in your life and so that's why i encourage teens that if you're going to date it's for the intent of getting married okay and if you're not serious about marrying that person then I wouldn't be involved in a dating relationship until you are ready. And there's several reasons for this, right? But first of all, let's address the issue of dating an unbeliever. In the Bible, makes it clear, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. In other words, Paul is saying a disciple of Christ and an unbeliever do not have a lot of things in common. Your priorities are completely different, or at least they should be. The priority of the believer in Christ is Jesus Christ and obeying and following and living for Christ. For the unbeliever, Christ is not even in the picture. So their priorities are going to be different. Their lifestyle is going to be different. The mindset is completely different. The attitudes towards God and the things of Christ are completely different. Now think about it, when you get married. You're living together for 30, 40, 50 years. Okay? Don't think short term. You got to think long term. Okay, And once again, I said dating is for the intention of getting married. All right. So I've seen a lot of unequally yoked couples and it's tremendously stressful. I mean, it's tremendously stressful to try and drag your partner to church each Sunday. A lot of times I just see mothers or fathers coming alone to church with their children, and that's a tremendously stressful, hurtful thing each week, going to church alone without your spouse. Or if the spouse comes to church, they're often sarcastic about Christians or the message activities that are going on in the church, and there's a lot of conflict there. The unbelieving partner is also resentful. that you love someone else Jesus Christ more than that spouse and they don't understand the relationship that you have with Christ and the importance of Christ and there's often conflict about getting the children involved in certain activities church activities or other activities and it's a very very difficult thing when two people with very different mindsets and priorities are living together and so that's why you know the Bible exhorts that we are to date only believers, and Christians should only date Christians. That's why I don't encourage teenagers in the high school level to date, because you may know Christ, or hopefully you're getting to know Christ, but you don't know your mission in life. All right? It's very difficult. There's only a few young people I know in high school figured out their mission in life. Usually it comes later on in your mid-20s, where you discover the mission for which God has called you to and then God will bring that right person who has a similar mission in life alongside you. It's very difficult even if the two are Christians, if they have very different missions and callings in life. It's very difficult and very stressful when they're going into or wanting to go in two very different directions. Okay, And so that's why the best relationships follow the triangle principle. And the 3M principle. Remember those principles there. The triangle principle as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. The 3Ms. And finally, I would say the blind man principle. Okay, the blind man principle. In other words, if you were blind, would you be wanting to go out with this person? Okay, if you were blind, would you want to be with this person? Okay, in other words, you're not looking at the physical A blind person will be looking at the character quality of the person. So think about it. If you were blind, would you be going out with this person? Because you want to look at the character because that is what's going to last. And as a guy or girl becomes more and more like Christ, Paul talks about the inner man is being renewed each day. Ephesians chapter three, as their character becomes more like Christ, they're going to become more and more beautiful over time. The outer man is fading away. Looks are going to be gone someday. But it's that inner character that's going to be renewed and grow and become more beautiful as they become more like Christ. So the blind man principle, if you're blind, would you want to be with this person? Because you're looking at their character there and that's what's going to last. Remember, you're going to be together 30, 50 years and not the looks or it's not sex that's going to carry you through it's going to be your commitment to Christ and your character in Christ All right. so those are things you want to look at remember the triangle principle the 3m's and the blind man test okay i think those are great guides to discover you know the person that god brings into your life and if you remain faithful to Christ stay sexually pure god'll bring the right person along, and it's going to be great. It's the wait is going to be worth it. Okay, next question here. What do you think if you might love someone more than you love God? Well, great question here. If you love something more than you love God, that's what the Bible calls idolatry. Okay, that's the essence of idolatry, when you love something more than God. And if you love someone more than god then that's idolatry and you need to confess that and repent and turn from that all right now the reason that's unhealthy i mean if you love someone more than god then essentially you're counting on that person to fulfill the needs in your life for self-worth and self-esteem and purpose and meaning and if you're banking on a person to fulfill those needs, guess what? They're human, they're gonna fail you. And you're gonna be greatly disappointed and often that kind of disappointment, if you're depending so much on someone to fulfill your needs, I guarantee you, you're gonna be disappointed. And that disappointment can turn into hurt and eventually that hurt can turn into resentment when you're depending upon that person and resentment is a very dangerous thing as the heart grows cold and bitter and that relationship, you know, is going to be in for a whole lot of trouble. The greatest gift you can give to your future partner is a life fully dedicated to Christ. That's why idolatry is such a dangerous thing. When your mission, your purpose, your sense of self worth and self esteem is found in Jesus Christ then you are not dependent on the other person to unfairly fulfill all those needs that only the lord can fulfill okay and there won't be that resentment and anger towards that person in fact you'll be filled with the spirit of christ and the love of christ to give of yourself to that other person and that other person, they have a healthy walk with God and have found their purpose and mission and sense of self-worth in Christ, they're also going to be encouraging you to grow in Christ as well. You're both going to be encouraging one another. Proverbs 27, 17, all right, as the triangle principle, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another, you're going to be encouraging and building up One another, instead of this unhealthy dependency, seeking to have the needs met by the other person. And when the other person doesn't come through, there's going to be a lot of hurt and resentment there. That's why idolatry can be such a dangerous thing, especially if it becomes of another person. All right. That's the reason why. So if you love something or someone else more than God, that's idolatry. You've got to change your heart and mind on that. The greatest gift you're going to give to your future spouse is going to be a life completely dedicated to God. You know, there's a saying that says that you find someone who loves God more than they love you, and that's the person you want to be with, right? Because if they love God more than you, their priorities are in the right place. And 1 John 4, God is love. So if they love God, the, the agape love of God is going to be reflected in their life, And it's going to be towards you. They're going to love you because they have experienced the supernatural love of God, which is life transforming, and they can share that love. And if you have that same kind of love, you share it with one another. There's a beauty, unconditional love that's willing to overlook small, petty, things, mistakes that we make to forgive, to sacrifice for one another. It's a wonderful thing when God is at the center of both of your lives. And so that's the danger of idolatry. That's the beauty of putting God first. The next question is kind of related to this. How can you bring God into the center of your relationships with others? You know, one thing I've noticed over the years, bringing God into the center of your relationships is really nothing you have to force. If you're really with God and you're walking with God and filled with the Spirit of God as we should be, then God just naturally becomes the center of your relationships. You know, it's just kind of natural. You know, when I was an athlete, you didn't have to ask me if I was an athlete. You could just tell by the way I ate, the way I prioritized my time, the way I worked out the kind of disciplinary uh, schedule that I carried, something that I was all about. You really have to ask me. Just kind of naturally, you, you just saw it. When I was a student, everyone knew I was a student. Why? Well, the way I prioritized my time, even the way I dressed, the kind of materials that I bought, the things that I spent my money and time on, could just naturally see this guy's a college student. And so a Christian who walks with God it just kind of naturally flows and naturally becomes the center of your relationships with others. Now, you may not have to be talking about God all the time, but you reflect the character of God in your conduct, you know, and you share the truths of God. You live according to the principles of God's word. It's just kind of a natural thing. So as God is center of your life, he'll just become the center of your relationships with others. If he's not, then you need to take time to reflect and look upon your life and see if God is really the center of my life. If he's the center of your life, then he'll be the center in your relationships, whether it's with believers or with unbelievers. Uh, Next question, a very interesting one. Are tattoos and piercings wrong? Well, there's a passage in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28 says, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. Now, many take that passage as meaning all tattoos are wrong. I don't think so, right? Because in this particular passage in Leviticus 19, it's referring to occult practices. You look at the verse before, it talks about interpreting omens and telling fortunes and being in pagan temples, and here it says, you shall not make any cuts to your body for the dead or tattoo yourself. So it, it's tied in with the occult, right? So any kind of ritual markings that you place on your body, tattoos that have to do with the occult, I would say is sinful and wrong or any way in which you desecrate the, the body through tattoos I believe is wrong. You need to ask yourself, you know, that question in 1 Corinthians and all that you're saying to do in honor to the Lord. And you need to see if any kind of piercing or tattoo I get, why am I getting it? Is it to honor the Lord? Is it connected with the occult? You know, is it some kind of selfish statement I want to make so people will notice me? You need to see what your motive is in some cultures. You know, the tattoo is part of the culture, and it's done very nicely there, uh, not desecrating the body, and I believe it's fine. There are others who get tattoos uh, to honor the Lord, not necessarily desecrating the body. Maybe some put a scripture verse on or put their wife's name on in a way that does not desecrate things. Piercings that desecrate the body I believe are wrong but like ear piercings that's going to enhance you know your beauty for jewelry I don't think that's wrong but other type of piercings I see I don't understand why you would want to get them not only for health reasons but you know really how does it honor the Lord it seems more of attention getters and some people you know get piercings in some very dangerous places the nose above the eyes the tongue on parts of their body i mean it is quite dangerous you engage in physical exercise to have piercings there so kind of piercing that's connected with the occult or just to gain personal attention tattoos as well i believe those would be sinful so you need to ask yourself that question how does it honor the lord first corinthians 6 verse 20 says but do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So, whatever you do to your body, if it's not glorifying to God, then it would be a sin. And I think we're going to end our series on this question here. It's a personal question to me. It says, Dr. Zukran, out of curiosity, why did your professors at Christian universities attack the Bible? How can you believe in Jesus' death and resurrection but not believe the Bible? Great question here. You know, I went to a high school where priests didn't necessarily believe that the Bible was inspired of God. It was a human book filled with legends and human error. And I went to a Christian university that also believed that they did not hold to the biblical definition of the divine inspiration of the Bible and the doctrine of inerrancy, that the Bible is without error in its original documents. The Bible is a reflection of God's character. If God inspired the writers as the New Testament teaches, then they wrote God's revelation without error in the original documents there. Now many of my teachers went to liberal colleges or universities and were trained there, and these universities did not hold to the doctrine of divine inspiration or the doctrine of inerrancy. They viewed the Bible from a naturalistic viewpoint. And so because of that, they denied miracles. They were taught that there are naturalistic explanations to miracles. You know, for example, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Well, he didn't feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. What Jesus did is he had five loaves and two fish and he shared his lunch with the people around him and as people saw Jesus sharing their food they were inspired to share their lunches as well and so they all took out their brown bags and began sharing their food with one another or Jesus did not walk on water he simply walked on rocks across the lake and it looked like he was walking on water so they give naturalistic explanations they rule out miracles A priori, okay, or before even looking at the evidence. A lot of it is the training they got from liberal colleges and seminaries that they attended. And as a result, they embraced those ideas and that's what they taught. And it can be really discouraging because if you embrace these naturalist ideas and interpretations, well, eventually, you know, it's going to wane on your faith. And I've seen Not only classmates, but people in ministry who embrace these kinds of ideas eventually abandon their faith in Christ and the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. That's why understanding the importance of the divine inspiration of the Bible and the doctrine of inerrancy is so critical. And that you pick schools, if you're going to a Christian school, you know, you pick, you look at the doctrinal statement very carefully and you see if they hold to the doctrine of the divine inspiration and inerrancy of the scriptures. But although it was discouraging to study under these professors, God used it for his glory because that's how I ended up in apologetics. You know i was learning that paul got all his ideas from greek mythology and that the gospels were within hundreds of years after jesus life and filled with legends and i thought to myself you know this is the most influential book in all of history and if it's not true then it's really not worth believing or following and that got me to start investigating whether the bible is true Is there historical evidence for the truth of the Bible and the resurrection and the miracles of Christ? Has the Bible been accurately preserved? And I went on to study that and I looked at the evidence and I came to the conclusion that indeed God exists. Jesus Christ is the divine son of God and the Bible is God's word. So God used these professors and teachers to strengthen my faith in apologetics. And that's why I'm so passionate about apologetics, because young people get bombarded by these ideas. The majority of the Christian colleges and seminaries out there teach this kind of liberal theology there that can be really discouraging and dismantle the faith of young people. That's why I'm so passionate about apologetics, because the compelling evidence is on our side that indeed Christianity is indeed true. Well, it's been a great series answering these tough questions from these teenagers. And I hope that you will join us at one of our conferences, whether our adult conference or our youth apologetics conference. So, hope to see you at one of these. And hope you enjoyed this series on evidence and answers.
0: We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts, like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org you will find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to look around our website and share it with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.